Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning. Let's give Michael and Angelia a big hand. It's good to have them back with us and uh, for today. And uh, I heard them talking earlier this morning in our little gathering together. They are part of a team that's planning a church and, and, uh, and so in parts of Lexington. And so I just want to invite you to continue to pray for them and pray for that work that they're doing there. Um, I've planted a church. I know how hard and how it is. It's hard work. It's time laboring and consuming. Um, it's, it's a lot. And so we just want to pray for them, pray for their family, uh, pray for protection over them. Uh, because here's the deal is when you're playing a church, uh, it's a good work and God wants to see it happen, but the evil one doesn't want to see it happen. And he'll do whatever it takes to, to stir things up or to get you off, off, uh, off your game. And so we just want to pray for them. Uh, as they are working hard and, and doing that and leading and being a part of that team. So uh, we're thankful for them. Thank you, Michael and Aunt Angelia, wherever you are, uh, for doing that. Uh, we're so grateful. And uh, it's so good to be with you this morning. It's so good to be with those of you that are worshiping with us online. Um, I, and, and I got to ask a question. I got to know, is anyone struggling today? Anyone got any struggles today? All right, that's good because at the early service, it was just me and James. Like we were the ones that raised our hand. I like out of all the people that are here, we're the only two struggling James. So we're in good company today. And uh, so I, I mean, but I really want to, I really mean it. Is anyone really, really struggling today? Like you've got some real struggles going on in your life. Like, like if you were to post something on your Instagram, uh, you might follow it up with hashtag struggles. Anyone, anyone there? Like, like you would be like, nope, it's just me this time. So, okay, a couple of you. Yeah, so like, like we've got some things. And I just want to tell you, before we go any further, I want to tell you that you are in the right place. Like if that's you this morning, if things have gotten sideways, if you're really struggling, if there's something going on in your life and you would like post something and say hashtag stroke, that you're in the right place because there's good news. There's good news for you and there's good news for me that there is a God and there is a God that is madly and crazy in love with you and promises to always be with you in the middle of those struggles. Is that not good news? That is great news that no matter what, that there's a God that promises to be with you right in the middle of whatever struggles we're facing. And so today, uh, we are going to uh, jump into part two of our five-week conversation that we're calling Hashtag Struggles. And we're talking about, um, we're talking about following Jesus in a selfie-centered world, right? Like we're all about living in this selfie-centered world that's gathered around or centered around this little thing right here, this little device. And if you missed last week, we talked about one of the more obvious struggles that we have. And last week we said that the more we compare our lives with others, the less content we are. And we talked about that. We talked about how when we find ourselves living a life where we can constantly compare our lives to someone else's lives, that we find that we are so discontent. And I even said last week, I said that comparison is the death of contentment. And next week, we're going to talk about authenticity. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about this idea that the truth is that this, in the social media world that we live in, that we're so tempted we're so tempted to become filtered in what we show the rest of the world, that we filter our pictures. You saw it on the video there. We, we perfectly edit our posts to say exactly what we want and, and to show everyone else the parts of our lives that we want them to see while hiding the parts that we don't want them to see. And the truth is, is that the more filtered we become, the more difficult it is for us to be real and authentic. 
That the more that we spend time filtering our lives, the more that we spend time just showing people the highlights of our lives and not the behind the scenes, that the harder it is for us to become real and authentic. But today, today, that's next week, today we're going to talk about uh, intimacy in our relationships. We're going to talk about how do we have deep rooted relationships, relationships that we can count on. And we're talking about uh, this because social media, while it has its benefits, uh, too much of it, and you know this probably better than I do, too much of it can actually hurt or damage your relationships. And they can rob you from the one thing which God values the most, which is our relationships. You see, here's the deal. We love media. And social media is good, and I'm not here to bash social media. We love it, but we've got to learn how to manage it, right? We've got to learn how to manage it. And that's why today we need to talk about uh, intimacy in our relationships. We need to talk about building deep-rooted relationships. And I hope, and my hope and my prayer is that you'll hear everything that we talk about through the lens of the words of Jesus as we find them in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles or you have a Bible app, I just encourage you to go to John chapter 13. And while you're doing that, let me just set the scene of what's happening here. So Jesus, has they're in the upper room with his disciples, and, and he's just washed the disciples' feet. And I cannot tell you what a stunning and self-sacrificing and humble move this was. For the Son of God, for Jesus, to get on his knees... And to do what was considered the most lowly and humiliating task that anyone could do. And that was to wash the feet of someone else. Like that was the lowliest of all jobs. Like that was, that was worse than being a shepherd when you got the job of washing someone's feet. And Jesus, who was the son of God, does this in the upper room for his disciples. He gets down on his knees and he wipes their grimy, dirty, dusty feet. And as he does this, he's showing them this love that they have never experienced before. And then here's what he says in verse 34 of John 13. He says this, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I've washed your feet, as I've done this thing that reveals my love for you, he says, so you must go and love others. In verse 35, he says these words, and this is huge. He says, by this, by this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if, if you love one another. And what I love about this is not just what Jesus said, but I also love what Jesus didn't say. Because Jesus didn't say they will know that you are my disciples if you have perfect theology. He didn't say that. Now, good theology is important, and it's good that we have a good understanding of who God is, but he didn't say that's how the world's going to know that you follow me. He didn't say they will know that you are mine if you are always in church. He didn't say that. Now, it's a good thing for us to be in church, but that's not what defines 
how they will know that you follow me. And he didn't even say, hey, he didn't even say they will know that you are my disciples if you have a warehouse church bumper sticker on the back of your car. He didn't say that, which quite honestly, some of you don't need to have a warehouse church bumper sticker on the back of your car. I've seen how you drive, Michael Ellis. Because, because these, um, because here's what's going to happen. You shouldn't be having that bumper sticker because they're going to question if you're disciples just by the way you drive, right? Like I was in group the other night though, and the reverse of this is true. And one of our folks in our group was saying, hey, I have the warehouse church sticker on the back of my car intentionally because it reminds me that I should be driving, uh, my driving should be done well because other people are looking and they'll see that bumper sticker. And so it's like accountability. But, but some of us, just don't put it on the back of your car. But, but here's what Jesus did say. Jesus did say this. He said, they are going to know. They'll know that you are my disciples by the way that you love and treat one another. By the way that you love and treat one another with sacrificial love the sacrificial love that Jesus had and that we have on the inside of our hearts when we say yes to Jesus, that they will know whose you are by the way you love and treat one another. So I want you to hear today's message through that lens. Like as we talk about today and talk about our relationships, I want you to think about it through those lens, that they will know whose you are by the way that you love. And I wanna ask you this question. This is the question I want us to answer today. How is technology changing relationships. How is technology changing the way we do relationships? And so we know, we know that technology is helping in a lot of different ways. And we know that social media is helping in a lot of different ways. And we know also that there's some unintended negative consequences to technology. And we could talk about a hundred different ways Uh, that it's changing things. Like there is no uh, short list of the ways that technology has changed our relationships. But today I just want to raise three big issues about how technology is changing our relationships. And so the first thing that I want you to think about is this, that technology is changing relationships because it's redefining the term friend. It's redefining the term friend. The term friend is, re- is evolving. Friends used to mean that somebody that you did life with. That when I was growing up, I had a best friend. His name was Eric. He lived four houses down from me. And me and Eric did life together. Like he would come over to my house. I would go over to his house. We would play games together. We'd go out in the woods together and play war. We would build models together. We would play baseball. We would do stuff together in person, face to face. And, and, and so now, though, a friend can be somebody that, somebody that you've never met in person. A friend can be someone that follows you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And so the term friend is evolving. It's changing. For example, the average American Facebook user has 338 Facebook friends. But the average American only, says they only have two uh, close friends, which is down from six a decade ago. And so you may have 338 Facebook friends, but many of you have none or very few real friends that you're close to, friends that you do life with. And so we could argue 
that we've got lots of online friendships, but we are limited in the area of personal intimacy. So the term friend is evolving. The second thing that we're uh, learning about technology and how technology is changing relationships is we're becoming addicted. We're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation, immediate affirmation. In other words, in other words, if I'm feeling a little bit lonely and I'm feeling like I need a little affirmation, all I have to do is this, pull up my camera app, right? And I take a selfie, which I'm not very good at, by the way. And I'll, see, I can't even get in selfie mode. And so I'll take a selfie and I'll be like, all right, let's do that. Mm, let's see, I don't want them in the picture. So I'll go over here and I'll take a picture. And then I'm like, I'll look at it. And then I'll go to my filters, right? And I'm like, oh, I got to take that out. I got to take the glare out. You know what? I'm just going to take another one. And so we'll go back and we'll take a new, a new one, right? And so here, I'm going to take a new one. At the early service, I took a video, not even a selfie. So I'm going to do it over here because I don't want anyone over there or over here in, in the picture either. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to smile. Look at the camera, smile. All right, good. And so I'll take my picture and I'll get it just perfect. And I'll put all the filters on it. And then after I'm done that, uh, I, I, I could immediately upload that to the gram, right? I could immediately up that to Instagram. And if I come back a minute later, I guarantee you that I'll have some likes. I guarantee you that I'll have a few likes. I might even get a few comments, right? Like I might get a comment that says, Pastor Rick, I like your shirt today. Or I might get a comment, Pastor Rick, you look like you've lost weight. Or Pastor Rick, and, and whatever someone else might say on that picture. Uh, and, and so I get some immediate feedback. So if I'm feeling blue today, I might even post my picture and go, man, I won't, you wouldn't believe what happened, dot, dot, dot. And I, I, like those posts just drive me nuts. People that say, I just need you to pray for da, 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 and not and, and just leave it blank, like leave it all up to your imagination. And, and so I might do that and I'll get immediate response, right? I'll get immediate attention and, and I get immediate feedback. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening today is we're becoming addicted to this thing called immediate feedback. In fact, scientists say that when we do that, that, that studies show that it releases this chemical that we're familiar with in our brain that's called dopamine. And so there's a lot of reasons we get addicted to things. And the main reason is because there's this thing called dopamine that's released in our bodies. And, and so we become addicted to that thing that causes that. And so a lot of people are becoming addicted to the instant response. And so they're, 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 they're picking up their phone and they're like, oh, I got I posted this thing. So a minute later, I got to see what they said. I got to see how many likes I got, who liked it, who didn't like it, why didn't they like it? I'm unfriending them because they didn't like my post. And we do this thing and we're so addicted to this immediate feedback. And, this is, and, and, and what this is doing is it's meeting a short-term need. But what we are actually doing is we're deferring a deeper need that we're just pushing off a deeper need, that the reason we do this is for such something much deeper than just immediate attention. In fact, sociologists now uh, have phrased what they call deferred loneliness, that many of us are starving for relationships. And so we'll make a post and we'll post it and then we'll see how many people respond and what their comments are because we feel lonely and, and we get immediate feedback. And all it does is it meets a short-term need, but we're just putting off a longer, uh, a longing for real relationships till later. Like we just wish there was someone right in front of us. So we'll post that thing because we're feeling lonely and we're just pushing off the true need in our lives. You see, here's the deal. We're living for likes, but we're longing for love. 
We're living for likes, but we're longing for love. We're hooked on the instant gratification, and it's changing the way that we do relationships. So how is technology changing relationships? It's changing the term friend. The term friend is evolving. We're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. And the number three, the the last thing is, is, and perhaps the most important, is now we have the power to do friendship on our own terms. We have the power to control our friendships. So to give you an example, let's say my friend Matt, he texts me. Here's the deal. I have a choice when Matt texts me to either read his text respond to it, not respond to it, get to it later, completely ignore it. Like I'm in complete control of what I do or don't do and how I respond to his text. Or maybe Susan, maybe Susan posts a picture on Instagram and I have the power. I have the power to determine if it's like worthy or not. And if it's worthy of a double tap of my fingers, if it's worthy of tapping that little heart and filling it in red, uh, or, or, do I, or do I scroll right by it because it's just another cat picture and I'm so sick of Susan posting cat pictures all day long. And if I see another cat picture, I'm just going to unfriend her and unfollow her because I'm in total control of this friendship. I manage it from a distance. I'm in control. And so technology is changing the way we do relationships, and we know this to be true. And young adults and teen, uh, teenagers and young 20s and 30s, they're saying stuff like this. They're saying stuff like, all I know, all I know to do is click and click and click and scroll and scroll and scroll and swipe, swipe right or swipe left or click more or scroll more. And, and they're saying this at the end of the day, they're saying, but I want more. Like, I want more than this relationship that I have with my social media. But then they say, the next thing they say after I want more is they say this, but I don't have the discipline to stop. I don't have the discipline to stop to engage in what I know I really want, which is a face-to-face relationship. I don't know how to get from here to here. I don't know how to do that. And so I want you to think about that today. How do we get from this to face to face? How do we get from here to there? And to do that, I want us to look real quick at another scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Now, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is. We're not real sure. There's a lot of speculation, a lot of options out there, but we're not sure. Like the first thing maybe when I get to heaven, I'm going to say is, hey, Jesus, who wrote Hebrews? Like, I want to know. I'm just, just, just break the tie for me. Just fill it out for me. I want to know who wrote Hebrews, but we're not sure. But the author of Hebrews says this, and I think it's so important for us. He says in verse 24, chapter 10, he says, And let us consider, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I love this. I love that the author of Hebrews, he says these words, he says, let us consider, right? Let us consider. Let's ponder. Let's have a brainstorming session. Let's get creative. Let's think about. Let's write down all the ways that we can think. Let us consider, like if it was Nathan Brigham, he would say, let's get the whiteboard out and write down as many ideas as we possibly can. Let's think about, consider the ways to stir or to encourage or to motivate or to challenge one another to acts of love and good works. 
I mean, think about it. Wouldn't it be amazing if we and a bunch of our friends got together and was like, hey, let's, let's think. Like, let's have a, a brainstorming session over coffee and think about how we can get together and how we can show love to others in such a way that people are like, whoa, what's up with them? They're so different. They must be a follower of Jesus because of the way that they love others. Have you seen the way that they treat one another? They must be followers of Jesus. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, we should think about, we should encourage, we should pry, we should prod, we should poke at one another and think about how can we love one another? How can we stir one another up to love one another? And then he says this. He says, and let us not neglect commenting on one another's Facebook posts. No, he didn't say that. He said, let us not neglect our meeting what? Together. Meeting together. You see, here's the thing, church. Some of us need to rediscover the power of practicing presence. The power of being together with other people. Of having coffee together again. Of having people over to dinner again. Of being face to face with other people. Like we've forgotten that. I remember in COVID, I remember two weeks in, or two months into COVID, I was saying, I was like, if I have to have another Zoom meeting, like I'm just going to go nuts. I'm going to scream. I'm going to throw the computer out the window. Like I'm so tired of Zoom meetings. I just want to be face to face with people. My wife was like, if I don't get to hug someone pretty soon, I'm going to go postal. Like I need some hugs. I need some people to hug. I need to wrap my arms around a real person, not a video screen. Because that's the way we were built. God built us for relationships. And so we need to practice. We need to rediscover the power of practicing presence. In fact, Jesus said, hey, he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, guess what? There I am in the midst of them. It says, whenever we come together with other believers in the name of Jesus, we experience the very real presence of Jesus in a supernatural way. Like the Holy Spirit is ignited in our hearts when we're together with like-minded people. And that doesn't mean that we can't experience his presence on our own. So don't text me later or email me or post on my Facebook page that, that pastor said that we can't experience God's presence alone. You can but let me tell you, there's something so much more powerful when we come together with other believers and we see, seek God in prayer. Amen. Like something happens when you join hands with others and our faith connects that you experience the power and the presence of God in a very real way. It happens in this room it happens on Sunday mornings when we collectively worship our God and lift up our holy hands to him with other believers and sing our praises to the Lord. There's something powerful that happens when we're in the presence of the Lord together. It happens when you open up God's word. When you open up God's word with other believers and you read it together, there's something powerful about that. Like we shouldn't neglect coming together in groups and reading God's word together because there's something powerful about that. There's power in being present with one another. I want you to think about it this way. Think about it like this. 
God didn't shout down, shout his love for us down from heaven. Like God didn't just sit up far away in heaven and shout down, hey y'all, I love you. I love you. Way from up here. I love you. Like God didn't do that. No, he showed up here on earth. He stripped himself of all heavenly glory, and he became one of us. And whenever we come together with other believers in the name of Jesus, he is present. The very real presence of Christ is with us because Jesus became one of us because God came down here in the person of Jesus and lived among us and showed us what it is to love one another. He loved those that were rejected. He poured out his heart into those that the religious communities said were not worthy. He loved the attic. He ate with the tax collector. He had dinner with the sinners. He had lunch with the prostitutes. He loved on every single person. You see, God didn't shout it from heaven from far away, but he showed his love here on earth. And there is something so powerful about being present. And yet so many of us settle for something far less. There's just something powerful about being face-to-face. So let me encourage you with two things today that are so simple. They're so simple, but yet if you will apply them to your lives, here's what will happen. You'll create a space for the Holy Spirit to enter into your relationships. That if you'll take these two things seriously, you'll create a place in your relationships for the Holy Spirit to work and to do amazing things. And the first thing is this. It's simple. Be present. Everybody say it with me. Be present. Be present with one another. Let's commit to loving people face to face rather than screen to screen. Let's say it together. Say this with me. I will love people face to face. Let's just say that. I will love people face to face. Say it one more time. I will love people face to face. Now say it like you mean it. I will love people face to face. Yes. We need to learn to love people face to face. And here's the reason why. Romans chapter 12 verse 9. Paul says, don't just pretend to love people. He says, don't pretend to love people. Let's not invest all of our time in shallow relationships but let's, let's do what scriptures tell us to do and let's love people, really love them by being present in their lives. And so here's, here's an example. You might have a friend or you might have a family member that's really struggling right now. Like they are down and out and they are struggling. Instead of just texting them, instead of just texting them and saying, hey, just want you to know I'm thinking about you and hit that send button instead of doing that, which is perfectly fine, but why don't we take it up a notch? Like, if we're going to love others and they're going to know that we are Christians by our love, let's take it up a notch. And and, and let's just say, you know what? I'm going to call them, right? Because, you know, your phones can actually call people too. Like, it is used for more than social media and texting. Like, there is an app on here that is a phone, and you can click it, and you can call people, right? I I hated when my mom discovered texting because she never calls me anymore. She's watching right now. She never calls me anymore. She's going to call me right now, probably. But she never calls me. She's always texting me. And I'm like, man, I miss your voice. Like, I want to hear your voice. And so why don't we take it up a notch? And why don't we call people? 
Because here's what I'm learning about when you call someone. You can do so much more through a phone call than you can through a text because you hear their voice, don't you? You know the trembling in their voice. You hear the excitement in their voice. You know what's going on. You know if they're really sad or they're really telling the truth. Like you can hide behind a text. It's so easy to hide behind a text. It's harder to hide behind a phone call. And so when you hear that voice and you take that time to be with them, that's building a relationship. That's being real in our relationship. But you know what? That's not even good enough. Like, let's get really crazy. Like, let's really make a dent in this. Let's really make people think. Instead of just texting them, instead of phone calling, why don't you get in the car and show up in their home? Right? Show up at their front door. Say, man, I know you're struggling. I saw your Facebook page, or I heard your text, or I read your text, and here I am. What do you need? You need me to sit with you? I'll sit with you. You need me to listen? I'll listen. You need me to hug you? I'll hug you. You need me to give you a high five? I'll give you a high five. But I'm here. I'm in it to win it with you. I'm here to build a relationship with you. I drove across town and I'm sitting with you and I'm face to face with you because I love you, because I care about you, because you matter to me. And we show them, we show them that we're in it with them. And there's something powerful about being present with somebody. I remember when I was, a, uh, when I was in high school, my best friend, Doug, at the time, uh, I know I had Eric, he was my younger best friend, this is like my teenage best friend, and, uh, and so uh, Doug was my best friend, and, and his dad had killed, killed himself, committed suicide, and, and, uh, and I knew my friend needed me, and so we didn't have texts back then, so I didn't just text him and say, hey, bud, because we couldn't, but I wouldn't have even if I did, and, and I didn't make a phone call, I knew that Doug needed me to be present with him. I knew Doug needed me to put my arm around him, say, dude, it's going to be okay. People need us to be present in their lives. They need a hug. They need a touch. They need to see your face. They need you to cry with them. They need you to smile and laugh with them. They need you to be present in their lives. So be present with those around you. The second one is this, be engaged. Don't just be present, but when you're with them, be engaged. Don't just be physically present, but be fully emotionally and spiritually engaged. So in other words, when this goes off, when you're engaging with someone, when you're being present with them, this stays in your pocket, right? It stays in your back pocket because nothing's more important to you right then and there than being engaged with the person that needs you. In fact, 1 Peter 4.8 says this. It says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another. Show deep love. Can I say it again? Show deep love. Continue to show a deep, I'm all in, I'm with you, I'm here for you kind of love. Nothing else is more important than being here for you in your time of need. I got your back. I'm here with you. And by the way, that's what God promises every single one of you. Like when you're in your time of need, God's not going to take a call, right? When, when you're in your time of need, not, God's not going to say, hold on a minute, I got to answer this text. Like God's not going to say, oh, Pastor Rick's got a question. Let me answer that. He wants to know who wrote Hebrews. Can you hold on a minute? Like he really needs to know this. Like God's not going to do that. He's all in. He's promised to be present with you. He's fully engaged, and we need to be fully engaged with other kind of people. We need to be fully engaged with the people that we love and, and, and being there with them in their time of need. 
And so here's what I know. I guarantee that if you go to the restaurant today after church, because we're going to go do uh, something in Maytown, so you're going to go to like Arby's or McDonald's because you don't have time for anything else because you want to get back here at 1.30. But if you go to a restaurant today and you look around, you're going to see couples or you're going to see a family of four or five, and they're all going to be sitting together at a meal, and this is what they're going to be doing. The kids are going to be doing it, or they might be watching a video, or they're doing this. And the adults are going to be doing this, and they're going to be swiping and scrolling and fast-forwarding, and they're they're all going to be doing it. And and, and we're staring at our technology, and we're missing. We're missing the relationships that are right in front of us. My daughter, she would invite her friend over uh, for a sleepover, and they would come over, and you know what they spend their time doing? They'd sit on the same couch. I'm like, y'all are right here, same room. Like, why don't you talk to one another? And it drive me nuts. Our parents, though, we do this too, right? Like our kids are begging for our attention, and what are we doing? We're doing this. Like we are, they're begging for you to be engaged, and you're scrolling in the next thing that's going to change your life, right? Like you're like you're on you're on Amazon, and you're trying to find that next thing, or maybe you're on Facebook and you're trying to find the juicy gossip of happening what's happening across the street, and you're on this thing. And your kids are like begging you for attention. Or couples, couples, you do this too. Um, and you're sitting on the couch, the same couch, in the same room, in the same house, in the same place. And, and, and you're, you're with your significant other. And, and you're doing this. You're doing this. As a matter of fact, guys, here's what you'll do. You'll text and you'll say, hey, babe, can you go get me a, a pop? I said pop, all right? And you only get it once. So I'm like, they're, like, they're like, hey, babe, will you go get me a, a soda? out of the fridge, and they're like, I'm like, you're in the same room. You're on the same couch. You can't just look over and say, hey, would you mind giving me a soda? No. Like, we do this. We're so engaged at our technology, and we're missing the relationships that are right in front of us. So couples, you do it too. Adults, you do it. Kids, you do it. And the problem is that every time this thing buzzes, every time it it chirps, every time it chimes, every time it beeps, every time it makes whatever noise you've got set for it to make, there's something in us that's going, what's going on, right? Like, what am I missing? Uh, What is it that I need to know? What did someone just post? What is go- what's going on? Like, I've turned my Facebook notifications completely off. Like, I don't want to know what other people are doing. I just turned them off. And here's what you do, too. Like, if you hear someone else's phone chirp, you're like, it's in you, right? You're like, man, I should probably check my phone. You're like, I know I should check my I'm missing something. I'm going to check. And you check it. Like, you hear someone else's phone go off, and you're, like, checking yours. And you're like, you're just, you don't want to miss anything. As a matter of fact, there's a term for it now. It's called FOMO, the fear of missing out. And we all, uh, many of us are addicted to the fear of missing out. And there's a generation that's living about, based on this fear of missing out. And, and, and you're like, I might miss someone's cute cat pic. I might miss someone saying, oh, girl, you look good. I might miss uh, some Snapchat. I might miss someone liking my pic. I might, mix, I might miss someone laying down some juicy gossip. And and let me just tell you, at the end of your life, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter how many likes you got. It doesn't matter how many cat pics you posted. It doesn't matter. I don't know why I'm picking on cats, but I am. Uh, It doesn't matter. At the end of your life, it's not going to matter. Like, you're not going to be sitting in your hospital bed at the end of the life saying, man, if I only had three more followers, I would have made it. Like, you're just not. Because it's not going to matter. What is going to matter, though, is how well you loved others. That's going to matter. We're missing out on relationships. We're missing out on relationships with our kids. We're missing out on relationships with our loved ones. We're missing out on relationships with our spouses 
because of this fear that we have that we're missing out on other stuff. And what we really should be afraid of is missing out on what matters most. And that's the people right in front of us. So maybe, maybe it's time for you to put some rules down. I know someone shared with me last week, they're like, I don't bring my phone in the sanctuary because it's a distraction. I don't do it. It's in my car. So when I asked you last week to post hashtag Jesus enough, they're like, uh, I'll do it after church because I don't bring my phone in here. That's fine. That's their rule. Maybe some of you need to lay down some rules. Maybe it's like the phone uh, goes in the charger after 10, at 10 o'clock at night. Maybe the, the rule is that phones don't come to the dinner table. Maybe the rule is that phones stay in your pocket during groups. Whatever it is, but maybe it's time for you to come up with some rules and not become a slave to what this thing's doing. You see, as, as uh, Angelia and Michael come back up, I want us to read this scripture together as we wrap up. It's 1 John. It's chapter 3, verse 18. And here's what John says, and I want us to read it out loud. So, so let's read this together. Just uh, one, two, three, let's read. Dear children... Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let's do it one more time. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, not words or texts, but with actions, showing up, being there for someone. And this was the greatest weapon that the first century church uh, had uh, as followers of Jesus. They loved others in ways that drew people to them. Like it caught people's attention. They loved the widows. They loved the homeless. They loved the sick. And they loved people, the addicts. And they loved everyone in ways that other people could not understand. As a matter of fact, they loved people so much that Roman officials, it caught their attention. And there's historical documents that show Roman officials writing letters to the people under them, to the governors, and to the people that are over cities and saying, listen, you all need to get your acts together. You need to start taking care of the widows and the homeless and the sick and the addicted in the same way that those Christians are doing it. He said they're putting, woo, they're putting people to shame. And so we got to learn to love people in that way. And so you and I, we need to remember that Jesus said that they will know that you are my disciples, not by how many followers you have, not by how many posts you have, not by how many likes you have, not by how many friends you have, but they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. By the way you love one another. They will know sense your love by the way you get involved in their lives. So church, I'm just saying, let's not become a slave to this. Because this is ruining relationships if we let it. It's not all bad. I'm not bashing it. I'm just saying let's be aware. Let's set some ground rules so that we might be present in other people's lives. And so that we might engage other people. So that we might do what Jesus said and that's to love others. And so that they will know that you are mine. Let's love one another. I had a... Um, uh, a, person, a conversation I overheard of uh, an addict that was sharing. He's been an addict for like 17 years. He's a recovering addict, and uh, and he's talked about being in and out of uh, NA groups, and and uh, um, and he was talking about churches. He's talking about how uh, many people in NA they don't trust churches, and they don't trust churches because oftentimes churches come at them and they want something from them. They want them to come to their church. They want their what's in their wallet. They want. They, they want stuff. He goes, but if you want to make the impact in an addict's life, just be there for him. Be faithful and be real 
and love on them. Let me tell you what, addicts are no different from the rest of us in that way. That we just need people to be real and authentic. We need real relationships. We need relationships that matter. We need people that we can count on that aren't just going to text us and say, hey, I was thinking about you today. They're going to show up on our doorstep and say, I just want you to know I love you. And men, we need to get over this like chivalry thing or not chivalry, this manly thing that says that we can't tell other men we love them. Say, bro, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm worried about you. I care about you. I got your back. Ladies, we need to be able to do it too and then not tell everyone else about it. We need to say, hey, I'm with you. I'm safe. You can share whatever's going on. I'll listen to you. And I promise you it's not going to make it on Facebook. But I'm with you. Because we all got our hangups and our problems. And we need people. We need people in our lives so we can count on them. And so I pray that you'll be those people. Be present and engage. Because here's what I know that I know that I know. That at the end of the day, those people out there, they will only know whose we are by the way we love them. And we must love them in the same way that Jesus loved us. Would you pray? Father God, I thank you for relationships. God, I thank you that you created us for relationships. God, you've, number one, created us for a relationship with you, and then you created us to have relationships with one another. And Father, so often technology is robbing us of those relationships. God, technology is not bad. We're going to use it to, our, to, to leverage. We're going to leverage it and use it to the best of our ability. But Father, it can, it can rob us. Like any other good thing, it can rob us of the best thing which is our relationships. So Father, I pray for those that are here this morning that have never said yes to you. Father, maybe they've never had a relationship with you at all. And God, maybe this morning might be the morning that they would say yes to you for the very first time. Father, it's just as simple as saying, you know what, God, I realize that I've tried to do life on my own and that I, I'm, I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to be the Lord of my life. I need you to be the Savior of my life. I need you to rescue me because I'm drowning here, Lord. I'm drowning and I need you. So would you come and be my Lord and my Savior today? That's all it is. Just praying that. Just asking God, inviting God to come and be your Lord and your Savior. For others of us, we've, we're recognizing that we've allowed technology to take over our lives. And Father, we're recognizing that we need to put it back in its priority. We need to put it back in its place to make our real relationships the, most, the number one priority in our lives. Lord, we're going to commit to being present and we're going to engage others. Lord, we're going to love others face to face rather than screen to screen. So God, would you work in our hearts as we sing this last song? God, would you reveal to us exactly what it is that our next step is today? God, maybe it is to say yes to you. Father, maybe our next step is to say, you know what? I'm going to work really hard today. I'm making sure that I don't allow my technology to take over my life, but that I take control of my technology. Whatever it is, Lord, would you speak to me and show me what my next step is. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us in the many ways that you do. So as Michael and Angelia Elias in our final song, uh, this altar area is open for you to come. I invite you to come. Spend time in prayer. If you'd like someone to pray with you, just tap me. I'm in. I'm there with you. I'll be present with you. I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. Um, and, uh, and I'd be happy to. So you come as you need.